So I've got good news this morning. Jesus Christ is alive. Amen. I don't know if you've seen the movie, uh, the, the Passion of the Christ. I, I had a hard time watching it when, it, when I saw that. And um, yeah, I might watch it again someday, but I, I think it'll be a while. It was pretty graphic. The, the movie spends a lot of time in, in pretty graphic detail, the, uh, the suffering of, of Jesus and his, his death, you know, very, very bloody. And, you know, I kind of watched it with uh, tears in my eyes. Um, and, and as I watched it, I, I kept thinking, I hope they don't leave him hanging on the cross. You know, we, we, we see uh, pictures and, you know, things around pe- necklaces that, that people wear with, with Jesus hanging on the cross, you know. And that's, that's not the message of, of the gospel it's it's part of it, <laughs> but uh, we we can't leave it there. You know, at, at the end of the crucifixion scene, the uh, the movie comes to a climax as as Jesus hangs his head and he he dies, and there's there's an earthquake. There's it, it shows some chaos in in the temple, and uh, you know they take Jesus's body down from the cross, and you know gently his his mother is holding his bloody body and it's it's quite touching really you know she just mary just seems to be completely numb and uh then the scene fades i remember when i was watching it i hope this is not the end but the screen goes black just for a moment it's like like it's giving you time to really consider what what you've just seen and thankfully, at the very end, the camera is in the the tomb. The stone rolls away, and and you see the uh, the grave clothes collapsing on this on this stone slab, and you see Jesus standing there. Jesus is alive. The Christ is alive. You know the. The hope of the gospel is not the dead body of Jesus hanging on a cross. The hope of the gospel is the uh, risen Christ, the living Christ. That is our hope of glory. The resurrected, ascended to heaven, Christ who's sitting on the right hand of, of the Father. You know, he's, he's secured our, our salvation. He's procured eternal life for those of us who believe in him. And that's the importance of the resurrection. And Peter touches on that. Our hope is a living hope, a living hope because of the resurrection of of Jesus Christ. This almost sounds like an Easter message, doesn't it? You know, but but we can, we we see as we we move along in in 1 Peter, starting in chapter 1, verse 3, that our hope is a living hope because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We can praise God for our salvation. We, even in the midst of suffering, we can, we can be joyful in the salvation that he has given us. And we should be amazed at his plan. God has revealed himself to us through Jesus Christ. And this is, this is an encouraging passage here. You know, as we continue, we're, we're going to look at this living hope. We're going to look at what an amazing thing it is, the salvation that Jesus Christ has given us. Let's, uh, let's read this, First Peter, starting in the third verse of chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you in the things that have now been announced to you through those who have preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, what an amazing thing it is. What a, what a praiseworthy thing that it is, our, our salvation, Lord, that you have caused those of us who have believed in Jesus to be born again through his resurrection. Lord, may we be people of, of praise and, and gratitude. In Jesus' name. So for those of us who believe in Jesus, this is a cause of great joy in, in our salvation. Um, I'd like to break this uh, passage, these nine verses, into uh, three parts. You know, first, through Christ, we can praise in salvation. Second, as recipients of his salvation, we can rejoice even in suffering and finally, as the beneficiaries of, of the new covenant, we can, we can revel in revelation. That is, we can celebrate how God has revealed himself to us through Jesus Christ and has revealed his plan of salvation to us. So last week we saw how God's grace and peace have, have been given to us uh, abundantly, you know, beyond measure. Uh, he, he, remember he said it, it's been multiplied to us. You know, those of us who believed have been chosen to be cleansed of our sins, have been chosen to be sprinkled by, by the blood of Jesus Christ. And as we're, we're living the Christian life, walking the, the Christian walk, we're being made holy by the uh, sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. That was only two verses, but... You know, there's so much glory in those two verses. Peter just has to stop here and, and praise God for, for this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, he says. You know, we, we have to thankfully acknowledge the one who's given us eternal life. You know, according to his great mercy, it says, you know, we were, we were dead in our sins and God the Father sent his son to save us. 
And Peter says, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. He is the cause. You know, it was was his doing from from the beginning. You know, the the biblical narrative is a story of of redemption of, of a sinful world, a lost and dying world where, you know, sinful and rebellious humankind has has turned its back on the Lord and gone its own way. But Jesus has given us the way back. That's the good news. God has has brought new birth, and in so doing, he's given us a living hope. And how has he done this? Peter says, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You know, this is... This is the importance of the resurrection. The, the resurrection is, is critical doctrine. It's, it's the linchpin of, of the uh, gospel. You know, without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is no gospel. The, the, the Apostle Paul talks about its significance in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, the significance of the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15, 7 through 22 says, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope only, or in this life only, we are, of all people, most to be pitied. But in fact, Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. For as by man came death, by a man came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. You know, in the, uh, in the early church, this, this was what was trumpeted most loudly. You know, when we think of our celebrations, you know that Christmas, the birth of Christ wasn't really celebrated widely in, in the church for hundreds of years. But the resurrection was celebrated every Sunday. Every Sunday, the first day of the week, was was resurrection day. You know, the the, the resurrection is God's power revealed. C.S. Lewis talks about the the importance of, of the resurrection. He said the resurrection and its consequences were the gospel talking about the early church, the good news which Christians brought. What we call the Gospels or the narratives of the Lord's life and death were composed later for the benefit of those who had already accepted the Gospel. The miracle of the resurrection and the theology of that miracle comes first. The biography comes later. You know, that movie, The Passion of the Christ, it's a long movie. It was uh, two hours and seven minutes. I looked it up. And I watched that, that clip of the, uh, the resurrection, minute and a half. But you know, it's, it's the resurrection, it's in the resurrection that, that the glory of Christ is revealed, you know, and in, its impact on us is amazing. Uh, I like what Ray Stedman says, the resurrection is not only the good news, it's the best news imaginable. It is the best news imaginable, the resurrection. And, and Paul spells out the results, the, the, the benefits of the resurrection to us, an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. 
kept in heaven for you. You have this, this living hope that, that Christ has given us through the resurrection is, is lasting. It's, it's uh, pure. It's undefiled. It's unfading. You know, it, it'll be as brilliant a million years from now as, as it is now. Kept in heaven for you, for us. And God is the one who is keeping it in trust for us. For us, who Peter says, by God's power, are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Notice how this uh, this talk of salvation is it's forward-looking. It's forward-looking. This is a salvation which is, is the destiny of, of the believer. You know, the Bible talks about salvation in three tenses, past, present, and future. Uh, past salvation, that's when we were justified. You know, that's when we believed in Jesus for, for the forgiveness, forgiveness of our sins. You know, we received him as our, our Savior. That's when the, the guilt of sin was, was removed. And I think that's frequently how we use the, the term today. If somebody asks me, well, when were you saved? I'll say, well, I was saved when I was six years old in uh, El Cajon, California, at vacation Bible school. I heard the word of the Lord and the spirit of God moved in my heart and I received the Lord Jesus as my savior. That's when I was saved. You know, that's, that's probably what I said. But, you know, the Bible also looks at uh, present salvation. You know, we are being saved. That's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 2.5. He says, we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved. Well, this is sanctification. This is uh, being saved from the influence of sin. This is progressively being saved, becoming more holy. But the term salvation is also used in the future tense. We will be saved in the future. Hebrew one's, Hebrews 1 talks about how we are the heirs of salvation, and you know that's future salvation. When he, when he says, uh, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? This is future salvation. This is glorification. And this is what Peter is stressing here in this, this passage, this future salvation. This uh, future salvation impacts us. With respect to uh, to present and past, so the Christian life is past, present, future. You know, the Christian life is a a life of involvement with Christ, past, fr- present, and future. You know, we uh, we we must not think of salvation as as getting our ticket to heaven, and then li- living like hell for the rest of our life until that ticket is punched. Um, our oldest daughter, Alicia, who at least for another few weeks is living in Germany um, with her husband, Mike, they, they had us over. They had us over for three weeks. A few, few years ago, we decided to visit them, and you know we really wanted to see them, but we also wanted to see Europe. Uh, we got our tickets way in advance. They were paid for. Here we were, I think, about three months out. And it was exciting. We we researched, we we you know talked and, and dreamed about the things we would do, the places we would go, the things we would see. It was quite amazing, you know. We we didn't have to worry about our tickets. They were 
they were kept in trust really by the uh, by the airline you know the days of paper tickets are pretty much over right they were in the possession of the airline in the meantime we thought of things like well you know we we would want to be able to communicate with people and we one of the places we planned to go was Ireland so we decided we'd practice our english J- jokes um Anyway, you know, much of the fun, a lot of the fun was just the anticipation, the planning, uh, talking to our daughter and, and uh, her, her husband about some of the things we would do. And it was, it was an exciting time, those three months, but it was nothing like the trip itself. It was just a foretaste. Peter's saying that our future salvation, our, our glorification is being kept, is being guarded. He says, by God's power and through faith, ready to be revealed at the last time. You know, this is, this is God's grace. This is the, uh, the gospel of grace. You know, it's not just justification. Although that, just, just, that's a great thing, justification. It's, it's an amazing thing, but it's more. The gospel is more. It's our future, future salvation, which is not being kept by our good works. Just as we didn't, we weren't, we weren't justified by good works. We're not sanctified by good works. We're not going to be glorified by good works. The gospel of grace says that it's Him. It's being guarded for us. Jesus gives us a great promise of this in John ten. John ten says, uh, John ten eleven. Jesus says, "I'm the good shepherd." The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And then he goes on later in verse 28 saying, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my, out of my hand. My father who's given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. Our salvation, our future salvation is being kept. Our inheritance, according to Peter, is imperishable undefiled, unfading. It's kept, guarded by, by God's power through faith. This is God's preservation. It's, is, is this not a, a great reason to give God praise? I think it is. Peter thought it was. So after this lofty praise to God for salvation, which he's given us, God has given us richly and generously. You know, he, he brings our feet back to the ground bringing perspective to the reality of life, the reality of living in a world as as strangers. Uh, He gives us hope of the possibility of having joy even in suffering. You know, the believers who Peter was writing to were experiencing persecution and, and suffering. But he reminds them. He reminds them of the joy of their salvation. You know, not just the joy of looking back on what Jesus had done already, but the, the joy in looking forward. This suffering, he says, is temporary. It's, it's only for a time, he says. It's, it's not going to last forever. He says, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We can take joy in our salvation, no, no matter what the circumstances. 
no matter what we're going through because we know God is control. We know that he has a plan. And apparently his plan for us many times is that we will go through trials. We will go through suffering. We will experience pain. Why? So that we can be refined, you know, refined of of impurities, you know, just as gold is heated up to high temperature and the dross goes to the top and they take it off the top. God removes our impurities, the, the things that hinder us. Going through trials strengthens us. It strengthens our faith. You know, when the Lord sees us through a difficult time, uh, you know, later on, you know, at, at the time it, it seems bad and sometimes we wonder, what what is God doing? You know, what? how can this possibly be from the hand of the Lord? But we, later on down the road, we can look back and see his hand in it. We can see how he was there with us the, the whole time through the whole ordeal. You know, we... Might not see it now, but uh, on the other end, we will. We'll see God's purpose, his provision, his, his help. And then we're, we're better equipped for the next thing, aren't we? James says it well in James 1, 2 through 4. I always found it interesting that James' letter just launches right into this first thing. He says in verse 2, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Uh, We don't like adversity, do we? I don't. I don't know many who would invite it into their lives, but uh, God uses it. He uses it to make us stronger, you know, to bring us along in our our growth and our maturity. Uh, I recently read about a a tree, type of tree. Some of you might have heard of a a bristlecone pine grows in California. Uh, Actually, they grow in the western mountain regions of the United States. I don't know if any grow here. But sometimes as high as uh, two or more miles above sea level, these uh, evergreens, it says, it said may live a th- thousands of years. These are some of the oldest trees there are, some of them 4,000 years old, if you can believe that. And it says the older specimens only have one thin layer of bark on their trunks. And considering the habitat of these trees, such as rocky areas where the, sol- the soil is poor and precipitation is slight, It seems almost incredible that they would live so long or even survive at all. The environmental adversities, however, actually contribute to the tree's longevity, it says. Cells that are produced as a result of these perverse conditions are densely arranged, and many resin canals are formed within the plant. Wood is so structured, wood that is so structured continues to live for an extremely long period of time. One researcher said the uh, bristlecone pines in richer conditions grow faster but die earlier and soon decay. You know, the harshness of, of their surroundings then is a, a vital factor in making them strong and, and sturdy. I think we can take application from that. 
So, you know, it seems like a tall order to me uh, to, to say that, that we should rejoice in our sufferings. But uh, Peter says in verse 8 that, you know, though, the, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the, the salvation of your souls. So through the hard times, we need to keep our focus on the Lord. We need to have our eyes on Jesus. You know, I think of, of Peter when Jesus is out walk, walking on the water. Peter comes out of the boat and, and starts walking on the water himself. You know, what did he do? He, he looked at Jesus. and But when he started looking around and seeing the waves coming up, his eyes off the Lord, he, he started sinking. Keep our eyes on the Lord. You know, Jesus is our ultimate example of living by faith and suffering and looking forward with with a living hope, but he's also our source of strength. He's the one who makes it possible for us to endure. Hebrews 12.2 says, Looking to Jesus, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And this is the same promise we have for us. So what, what is it? What is it about suffering that, that we need? God uses it to change us. He uses it to mold us, even, even to break us. You know, there's, there's something about brokenness which is precious to God. Psalm 51.17 says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Our daughter, Alicia, who I was speaking of earlier, they... Alicia and Mike lived in Japan before they lived in Germany. And there's a, uh, there's a Japanese word. It's uh, kensukure, which means golden repair. And it, it's the art of restoring broken pottery with gold so that the, uh, the fractures are literally illuminated, a, a kind of physical expression of, of its spirit, supposedly. As a philosophy, kensukure celebrates imperfection and brokenness as an integral part of the story, something not to be uh, disguised. The artists believe that when something has suffered damage and has a history, it becomes more beautiful. I wish I had a picture to show up here. Look it up. <laughs> so we, we, we praise God in our salvation. We rejoice in that salvation, even, even through times of suffering. And in his, his marveling, Peter takes kind of a little side road here, brings up something that's very remarkable about the salvation, that God has actually revealed more to us on this side of the cross than he had revealed to the Old Testament prophets. 
more to us. We have a better understanding of, of God's salvation than, than even the angels. Let's look at this. Considering this salvation, the, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that now have been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. So the prophets had a, a partial revelation. You know, God has, has revealed himself progressively through history, through the history of, of redemption. And, uh, you know, the book of Hebrews starts out kind of talking about this. It says right, right at the get-go, first verse 1 of Hebrews, long ago and at many times God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, who he, who he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So God used the prophets to reveal his will. He used the prophets to uh, reveal at least a, a partial revelation of his, of his uh, will. You know, think of how Moses probably would have really liked to have understood what God was going to do in the future. Think about the other, the other prophets, even, even John the Baptist, who Jesus said was the greatest prophet ever. You know, he, he didn't know as much as we do on this side of the cross. Um, Peter also mentions the angels. Who, who longed to look into these things. In, in Acts 7, 52 through 53, uh, remember this, this scene where Stephen is being stoned. He had preached in his speech. He, he talked about both the uh, prophets and the angels. He said, which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You will... you who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. The law was delivered by angels. Hebrews 2.2 also calls the, the Mosaic law the, the message that was declared by the angels. You know, I guess, I guess there's a lot of mystery surrounding the manner in which God gave the law through the angels. But the point is that they were very much involved in being heralds, being a, the, the messengers of, of God's revelation to us. Now, um, you know, it seems like in the last few decades, there's been a lot of talk about angels, a lot, a lot of the, uh, the popular media, movies, TV shows, books about angels. And I, I think that um, maybe because of all the hype, a lot of a lot of us are kind of hesitant to uh, talk too much about them. Um, there's probably good reason for this. Uh, you know, Colossians two eighteen through nineteen talks about how we're not to worship angels. 
says, let no one disqualify you. Insisting on asceticism and the worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. So he's saying, we, yes, there are angels, but our eyes need not be on the angels. They need to be on, on Jesus. We need to keep our focus on our Lord. Uh, Hebrews, again, in, in verse 13 and 14 of chapter 1, talks about this. Speaking of Jesus, Jesus, having become as much superior to, his, to the angels as the name he has inherited, is more excellent than theirs. To which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not ministering spirit, spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who inherit salvation? You know, the, the angels are God's messengers. They are they are ministers, you know, servants of the redeemed of the Lord. That's that's us. Uh, the the Greek word for angel is angelos, which literally means messenger. And uh, I was I was curious, how many references are there in the New Testament? How many references to angels? I was surprised. There's 177 references in 175 verses. So they do have a significant part in God's plan for us. But we don't worship them. We don't pray to angels. You know, the thing is, I don't even think that we realize the extent of their involvement in our lives. I think this is demonstrated in yet another Hebrews verse here. A lot of, a lot of references to angels in, in Hebrews. Angel, uh, Hebrews 13.2 says, Do not neglect to show hospitalities to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. We had some friends in Kalispell, uh, former pastor and his wife, uh, wonderful people. And uh, they, they told us a story about how they were traveling across country out away from anything, and the, the car broke down. They had their kids in the car. And Leo, like any respectable man, got out, lifted up the hood, and wondered, okay, what do I do? You know. And just when he did that, this guy walked up and told him what to do. I forget, it was connect a wire or something. It was, it was interesting. He did it, and the car started right up. And he turned around to thank the guy, and he was gone. Nobody there. And uh, he, you know, Leo is convinced that that was an angel. Anyway, a lot of talk about angels here in this very brief mention that, that Peter gives us. The, the point is of all this that Peter is saying that despite their involvement, in human affairs, despite their their big role as messengers and, and servants, they don't even have a full grasp of 
the redemptive work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. You know, our, our imaginations could go wild here. You know, what, what do the angels think? You know, how, how, how do they puzzle, how they must puzzle over what God did through Jesus? Hebrews 2.9 says, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering and death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. He was made lower than the angels. You know, Peter says of these matters, the angels long to look into these. You know, can, can you imagine the, the conversations the angels must have? You know, uh, did you hear what God is doing? Sending his son to earth to those people, those rebellious people, he's becoming one of them and dying, subjecting himself to abuse and, and suffering, death, being raised from the dead so that they can e- obtain eternal life. Wow. And sending the Holy Spirit to them so that they would experience day by day, moment by moment, the presence of God in their lives. Can you believe that? How does that even work? You know, he must really love them. He must have really amazing plans for them. You know, they, they long to look into these things. In closing, uh, let's, let's be people who are full of praise. Let's praise God for the salvation that he has, is, and will give us this, this living hope that is ours through the resurrection. He's given us new birth. He's given us eternal life. The, the resurrection changes everything. It's the best possible news. Jesus' resurrection is what gives us hope for our resurrection Death could not hold him. It cannot hold us either. And no matter what the circumstances, we can rejoice in this salvation. He's with us. He cares about us. Even in times of suffering and trial, he's got a plan. We're the recipients of that plan. And he's revealed that plan to us. He's revealed himself through the person of of Jesus Christ. And, and we have more insight than the prophets or, or the angels. That's amazing. This is good news. Let's be people of praise and joy. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we, we praise you, Lord, for the salvation that you have uh, freely poured out on us. Your, your grace is, is truly amazing. And, you know, if there be one here today who has not believed in you and received you, Jesus, as, as their Savior. I pray that uh, they, would, they would heed your call, that they would hear your, your voice, Lord, that they would believe in you and be forgiven of their sin, become inheritors of eternal life. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the, the living hope that you've given us through the resurrection. Help us, Lord, to, to focus on you today, to have our eyes steadfastly on you, Lord, as, even as we experience trials. Strengthen us, Lord, with, with the joy of the Lord. Lord, give us a hunger for your word and 
continue to give it, open our eyes and, and reveal yourself to us through your word. Lord, we pray in the wonderful name of Jesus for his sake. Amen.